You are listening to the Real Estate Proverbs Podcast with host Kevin Jefferson. This is the number one podcast for African-American real estate professionals who are doing extraordinary things. It's time to tune in. And now, your host, the people's lender, Kevin Jefferson. Kevin Jefferson. Hello, welcome to Real Estate Proverbs Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Jefferson. And today we have a special guest by the name of Billy Keel. How you doing this afternoon, Billy? Hey, Kevin, I'm doing just fine. And I'm looking forward to uh, our conversation, my friends. It's going to be a good one. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. Billy, uh, let's tell the, uh, the fans a little bit about who you are and what you do. Yeah, man. So, um, so Billy Keels, uh, I'm a guy who's uh, originally from Columbus, Ohio, from the Midwest. And uh, about 20 years ago, I started a one year sabbatical where I was uh, I was living and working where I was living. So I was living and studying in um, Paris, France. I had a, a job right out of college uh, where I was just gifted the most uh, amazing thing of being able to work and travel throughout some 58 different countries. And so uh, after that, I decided to do a one-year sabbatical. I was supposed to be in Paris uh, to learn how to, uh, well, learn French language and culture. I wanted to learn how to salsa dance, and I wanted to learn a little bit about uh, wine. So uh, it was supposed to be a one-year sabbatical. Uh, it ended up being, well, almost 20 years. Uh, I lived in Paris for a while. I lived down in a town called Montpellier down in the south. Uh, I also then moved to Italy. I lived there to start up a sales team. Uh, I ended up meeting someone from Spain uh, when I went when I right before I left for Italy. Uh, she lives in Spain. Uh, I moved to Barcelona in 2005. Uh, we got married a couple years later, and um, and then we got two kids. And I've been working for a very big software company. I work and sell in Spanish language, uh, Spanish and Catalan language. Uh, during the day. And I also have been investing in real estate and doing that exclusively in the United States uh, while I've been living in Spain for the last uh, 15 years. Wow. So you live in Spain and you invest in the United States? Yes, sir. I've been actually now been living. So I've been in Spain for the last 15 years and I've been investing in real estate now uh, for the last seven years, just going on seven years. Gotcha. Yep. So what what actually got you into uh, investing? <laughs> Um, you know, the thing is, uh, Kevin, I don't, I don't like, I don't come from a family from money or any of that kind of stuff. Like my parents both uh, worked multiple jobs, um, did everything they could to get us in, in the, in the right schools and stuff like that. Um, and I don't always learned or been taught that you're supposed to, to go and, um, you know, get good grades, get a good job. And then once you got a good job, you max out on your 401k, uh, you put money in the IRA. And I did that. And in 2000, I'd been working for a couple of years and I started and I lost a portion of my portfolio in the in the stock market. And the thing that I got back from people was, well, you know, just just hang it out. Hang on. Just, you know, just keep putting money in there and do dollar cost averaging. It'll all come back. And and I did that. Right. Because I'm a good student. And so I was doing exactly what I was told. And then 2008 happened again and I lost 33 percent of my portfolio. And one of the things that my parents always taught me, Kevin, because, you know, I watch them work really hard all the time is, they said, look, if something happens once, then shame on them. If it happens twice, shame on you. And so this was the second time that my portfolio and the stock market had gone down. So I, I just I needed to look for a new a new 
avenue, man, because one of the things I'd always been focused on was was being able to, to have control of my financial life. And so I came across this book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, which I know a lot of people have come across. And that really changed my whole life, man. It changed the way that I perceived investing. And I thought, man, it, it, I could actually buy a property, be in control of it and make $200 a month. Oh, this is going to be cool. This is what I need to do because I, I can I can do more of that. And um, and I plan on doing that. And the thing is, is with me living here in Spain, everything that I read in the book, when I tried to translate that into um, into getting those $200 a month, it wasn't working out. Like it was all negative cash flow. I didn't have enough knowledge at that point in time to know that there are different types of locations. There's some locations that create cash flow. There's some locations that create appreciation and things like that. Um, so one day somebody mentioned to me like, hey, Billy, you're from the United States. Like, why don't you just invest in the United States? And I thought, don't you see the Atlantic Ocean? <laughs> like, there's a really big ocean between us. So, um, you know, it, it was a crazy idea, but it, I'm really glad that I listened to a couple of different friends that told me that I should look at investing in the United States. And that's what I've done. Um, I've never purchased any type of asset tangible asset in uh, in Europe, and it's been exclusively back in the United States. And that's wow. a little bit about why uh, why and how, I, how I've been investing. So how many units do you uh, own? Yeah, across my portfolio today, I've got um, in my portfolio 361 units. Um, I also have uh, leases on 14 ATM machines, and I've also been investing in large pieces of uh, of, of energy equipment. So, and I guess it's one of the things like, I, I, I believe that one of the best things about real estate now that I've been doing it for seven years is, is it helps you to understand that it's, you can go beyond just investing in the stock market. So I started in real estate. I started with smaller multifamily, um, apartment or smaller multifamilies. Then I started investing, um, in larger multifamilies. And then I found out about passive investing and then once I started, I started realizing the way that my portfolio was allocated, there were other different tangible assets that I could invest in that actually made sense for me. And, and it opened up my mind to be able to invest in other things. Wow. So with you being in Spain, and of course, you're originally from the United States, what was the first step you took in investing? Like, what was the first step you took in order to do it? Did you physically come to the United States to take a look at it? How'd that work? Well, you know, when I look back on it, Kevin, the, the biggest thing, the first real step that I took happened after I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, right? Because then I started, because I didn't, I, like my family, I, nobody knew in my family, nobody had uh, real estate, like nobody was interested in real estate. It was like, that wasn't even a thing. It was like, the big thing was to be able to save money. If you save money, you were investing. And so I didn't have any culture at all around real estate. Didn't know anybody that was part of the real estate supply chain. I didn't know any lenders. I didn't know anybody that was a fixer flipper. I didn't know anybody was a host. I didn't know anybody. And so when I read Rich Dad Poor Dad, it really turned that light bulb on. And so the real first step, if I if I have to think about it, was really just that whole educational foundation. I started um, reading more books on investing. I, re I read the whole Rich Dad series. Then I found other books that were talking about being a landlord. And then I read other books that were started getting into more of the financing part of, uh, of real estate. And so and I started listening to podcasts. I was going to YouTube all that kind of stuff. So that, like, if I if I think about it, that was the real foundation. Because then I started feeling more comfortable and confident to get into conversations with people, test my knowledge, and then once I got a little bit more confident, then it was about making making the jump. So I, I would say that the first real foundational step was just getting education and get learning the language of real estate uh, and starting to meet people. And I was doing a lot. Like everybody's on Zoom nowadays. I was doing Zoom seven years ago, um, and Zoom and Skype and all the other stuff because that was the only way that I could connect with other people back in the United States. So, so that was my real first foundational step. So how did you finance that first property? 
Um, well, the, the, the very first property I financed, and, and also too, I, I, I still work in the day job, right? I still work as a, as a high, I'm a high wage earner, so I'm fortunate in that regard. And some of the things that happened, uh, Kevin, is I started looking at my at the property, and what I learned is, hey, you know what? If you got twenty five percent down on a property, you can actually, you know, put that twenty five percent down. You can borrow the rest from the bank. They can give you a thirty year loan, and you you're and then you just pay that back over time. And the better part was it it wasn't you paying it back; it was your residents that were paying it back. And so that whole thing, that whole concept, made sense to me. And because I had been working and traveling and I was single, like I'd, I've always been somebody also too who just saved um, a lot of, I've saved the majority of the things that I worked for. And so I had disposable money and I used that money to put 25% down on the property, got a loan from the bank and and got it into my very first property. So it wasn't really any more than that. It was really, it was really pretty basic. I, I got a traditional loan uh, relationship that I had at one of the, one of the banks at a retail bank. And I put 25% down, had to end up putting another $20,000 into the property and eventually got the property rented pretty, pretty quickly. So where was the property located? Uh, in New Jersey. It was in, in New, New Jersey. Jersey. Yeah. So so the bank that financed you, where were they located? In New Jersey as well. Oh, okay. All right. So you yeah, it got Austin, financed to a, a regional bank in New Jersey. Um. So how so how did you end up investing in New Jersey and you were from Columbus? <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So, so one of the things that happened, man, is I. So, and part of it was, you know, when you're when you finally make that that leap to get into making the investment, because you read a lot of books and you get you can go through and you got all the theory, but eventually you gotta you gotta make that that jump into reality, right? Everybody, you know, I think even Mike Tyson talked about, you know, everybody's got a great plan until until they get punched in the face, and then it's kind of like, all right, well, I got to do something now. And so, because we had this relationship it, with the bank. And I didn't really have a plan, man. I just knew that all the stuff that I had been consuming, the content and making relationships, like I needed to take action. And so it was that point where you take action. And I didn't have, because I didn't have any strategy, I just looked for where family was. And so my, my parents divorced. Uh, my, my, parent, my, my dad and my brothers and sisters lived in New Jersey. So I thought if everything goes wrong, at least I have some people in this particular area that will be able to bail the property out or, or, just, or just do whatever needs to be done. So it was really, it was a more of a fear-based decision. There was no, I didn't know anything about, are there more people, less people moving in and out? And it was just, if something goes wrong, do I have somebody that I can pick up the phone and they can get me out of trouble? And there was no more real process to that. Right. What type of unit was it? Single family, multi? No, it was a, it was a, um, it was a small uh, duplex. It was a small duplex. Um, you know, and, and I think because I had such a positive experience with that first duplex, it was one of those things that made me also enjoy the investing even more. I mean, I, I'll tell you a story on the on the duplex if you if you want me to a little yeah, bit of the story behind it. it. Yes, sir. Give us okay. all the game. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so I, yeah, okay. So yeah, so I was really going through. Um, I, I made. I didn't know anybody. Ended up meeting someone at the bank. Um, the person at the bank had a contact who was a general contractor. The general contractor, and keep in mind, I'm doing all this over the phone and over internet and stuff like that. Because um, we're talking back back in 12, 2012, 2000, yeah, very in the beginning of 2012. Um, and so just relationship, relationship. And then they ended up introducing me to somebody who was a, a real estate agent. And that agent put me on the MLS. And so I was getting all these MLS feeds and I was going through them, going through them, going through them. And there was a property that she sent to me that was like, you need to take a look at this property. It was a duplex. They were asking, I think, $96,000, $97,000 for it at the time. 
Um, it was someone whose parent had passed away. They didn't want the property and it was listed on the MLS. So I ended up purchasing the property, got into it, got my offer accepted, um, bought the property. It was $77,000. I put 25% down on it. Um, like I said, I had to put another $20,000 into it and managing all this stuff from, from Spain, as you can imagine, wasn't the easiest thing. And I didn't have any systems in place at the time. So it was a lot of trust and a lot of faith, but they came, all of the network that I built started from someone who I trusted and, and just other people of trust. So, but the, the great thing about this property, aside from it being a, a profitable property, it was one that I learned a lot. And because nobody had been there before, there were no, uh, there were no comps, there were no comparable rents for that particular property. So doing some asking and found some websites that kind of gave me rents in the area, um, that property we ended up renting out uh, for $1,400 a side. And I think my my mortgage was $260, just the mortgage. Of course, you, afterwards I had the, 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 the insurance and taxes and stuff like that. But when that happened, it was like, wow, you know, this is, I'm using a lot of the skills that I have in my day job because I've been in, in sales for a long time able to do that, been building in sales teams as well. So I was able to also use those skills transferably to, to talk with the team. And then at the end of the day, we had the right residents in there and, and it was just a really profitable venture. And so that for me was like, how can I do more of this faster uh, and stuff like that? So I had, a, I had a really positive experience the first time and that helped move things forward, I, I believe. Wow. So when you say team, of course, you had the contractors who uh, did the work with you being in uh, out of state or out of the country. Did you have a property management management company? No. And in the very beginning, Kevin, that was one of the things like I I, I wasn't sophisticated enough to, to know any of that stuff. What, what I did know is that I took action and it was the moment to and I, I'll give you a real practical example. Remember in the beginning, uh, when when the residents were there because it wasn't a property manager, I had a handyman and the handyman could go by and drive. And if there was any problems, one of the things that I knew right away is that, that the, the, the residents, the, the tenants, they needed somebody that they could call and say that there was a problem. And I didn't want them to have the, the, the general contractor's phone number. So we had to get a, an answering service. So I found an answering service where people could call 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and they would always be able to leave a message. And so once that text message would come in, the text message would get routed to um, to the general contractor. We'd get an email. So that was a very, I mean, that was the that was the best way I knew at the time to be able to respond to the needs of, of the tenants. Not the best way, but it was the way that I knew at the time. And it was the best way that I knew how to be able to serve the tenant while I'm, you know, 8,000, 9,000 miles away. Wow. So on that property, what was the cash flow like after all was said and done? I am um, that property was I think it was probably two 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 around two thousand a month something like that. That's amazing, man. Yeah. yeah. So so let go ahead. No, I was just gonna say, and you know, at the time, I I just thought to myself, wow, this is this is really working. What it was for me, it was a proof point that all the things that I'd read, being able to start to build somewhat of a team, and then being able to take action. It was the thing that helped me realize that this could be a repeatable process. And and I know it's not the same way for everybody. You maybe get into the first uh, property and you lose a whole bunch of money. And I like to think those are just other learning opportunities, learning experiences at the end of the day. It's just how do you react from them? I recognize that this was a particularly positive experience and it led me to want to do uh, more and more of that. Wow. So let's talk about, uh, okay, you had a lot of success with the first one. And uh, it sounds like what you said, you just took action. It wasn't now 
analysis paralysis. You didn't keep reading books to find out what the best way to do it. You kind of just took action. So what was the steps getting the second property? Yeah. So and, and maybe I'll, I'll just come back a, a little bit because there was paralysis analysis. That's one of the problems yeah. that I had, um, because when I started reading the book between the time that I actually read Rich Dad, Poor Dad for the first time and I actually made the first property purchase, it was probably about a year and a half. So I was tr- the thing is, I was trying to look for the exact perfect property. And what you realize is that you have like the best way is to take action on imperfect information, like because there is no perfect information. But I kept waiting for the perfect thing. And I was stuck like because none of the numbers were penciling out ever. And I, I lost the, the, the most valuable resource any of us have. And that is without a doubt time. And, you know, because I had paralysis analysis, I recognize that I'm a recovering perfectionist is what I tell everybody. And, and that cost me probably being further along in my journey than I am now. And, but but that's okay. It's part of the journey. Everybody has their own specific journey, and that is and that is what it is. Um, as it relates to the second property, once the first property was in the portfolio, then it was about okay, what what is working well, what's not working well, um, how do we improve this? And the same team was in place, and so rather than go look someplace else, it was all right. Well, perfect. I, I want to get another property because I had other I had more money. And I knew the banker, I knew the real estate agent, and I had the general contractor and things were going well. Uh, And so another property came through, didn't actually meet exactly what I was looking for at the time, but it was close enough. Got the property under contract, got it accepted. And, you know, a couple months later, the second property was in the in the portfolio. So it was between the first property, uh, which was a smaller duplex and then bought the quadplex. There was um, I think it was like six months between the two of them. Got you. So within a year and a half of you reading the book, you now acquire six units. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, it was about that. Yeah, it was okay. about that. So did the numbers on the quad work out similar to the duplex or how'd that? No, 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 no. It, it wasn't anywhere. It, I'm, so and the thing is, I, the, I was very, very fortunate with that very first duplex and I've not found another opportunity like that. I mean, it's, it's, it, it for me, that was the unicorn. And the next deal was nowhere, nowhere near that. Um, but it was still more in line with, and, I, and I, I don't remember the exact numbers on that one, but it was more in line with the $300 a door, two, $300 a door per month, right? Um, it was almost like my duplex. There was more free cash flow on the duplex than there was on the, on the next quadplex. But it's just it's it's part of it, right? And, right. and that's when you start to, to get into more of the game of, uh, of scale. Gotcha. So at this point, when did you say, okay, Billy, you need to come up with a system if we're going to continue to scale units? Um, you know, a lot of it, and I don't know if I was even that sophisticated, Kevin. I wish I wish I could tell you this great <laughs> grand scheme of things, but it was more about, I had a, I wrote down in a book, I wish I had my book here, I, I'd show it to you, but I, I wrote down just my, my objective was to have 10, 10 doors in uh, five years and I, I didn't really, I just knew that I wanted to have 10 doors in five years and be able to make a certain amount of money per month. That, that was it. And what I knew at the time and what you typically were going to recognize is, is the team working. And the team was working. I was uh, getting on track or ahead of my financial goal. And it was just, how do I get another property? It wasn't until like the, the, the third acquisition that I started realizing that I had a problem. And the problem was I was working a really demanding day job. 
I love being able to spend time with my, at the time my kids were really, really young. Um, my wife and I had two kids and I was running out of time, man. I, I just, I, I was working all day, every day. And that's when I realized like so, something's got to change. So I literally stopped purchasing any more properties. And I decided that it was time to, to really connect with somebody who knew more than I did. Cause I was doing all this on my own. And that's when I stopped to reach out to get a mentor to say, look, this is my situation. I'm working in a really well-paid job. I work a lot of hours cause I'm very, very, um, well, I'm, I'm well paid for what I do. And I've got these rental properties that are kicking off so much money. I don't even know what to do with that. I'm starting to realize that this isn't working well because I'm not able to get, uh, get the right service to the, the, the tenants. And, uh, and I needed help. So I literally stopped and got a mentor and we did a whole diagnosis of what was happening. And that was the point that I realized, okay, I've got to put some structure in place because if not, you run the risk of just chasing after the money all day. And that can take you down a really bad path because you're just chasing money. Um, and I don't say money's not important because I know what it's like to not have it. And I know what it's like to have it. And um, I would rather have it than not have it, but not at the cost of life and, and, and family and all that other kind of stuff. So maybe a little bit deeper answer than you were looking for, but uh, I felt like I, I wanted to share that with you. No, no, I mean, it, it, it goes along perfectly with what we need um, because at the end of the day, you're right. You can work 20 hours a day. And if your family's constantly growing and you're not with them, then, you know, is it really worth you know, that money, you know, yeah. you know, people say work life balance and I'm not sure if there is one. You just got to do the best you can. Yeah, Kevin. And I, you know, even today, I don't think I get it perfectly, uh, but I'm much more aware now today uh, than I was before, because before it was just, I was just chasing more money. I just wanted to get more money, more money, more money. Um, because I come from a background where I didn't have it. And when you start realizing that your children are getting older and you're focused doing this, and you got a busy day job, like you can't get that time back. And that is the, and, and, and that's the thing to me that is the most important, and not just to me, to a lot of people, you know, it's the most important asset that you have. It's your time because you can never get it back ever. No, you can't. Um, so let's, let's fast forward to um, how you, how you were able to get, was it 361 units? Yep. Yes. Right, how, yes. How, so, yeah. So, so one of the things that I did not know um, was because I, I, I just didn't come from the culture. I did not realize that there was a way that as a, or as anybody, right? But I'll, I'll speak as, as a high wage earner, that there was a way that you could actually continue to work your day job because you like your day job and you can invest in real estate with other people and, and through other people and things called syndications. And a syndication basically is just where people are able to pool their money together to go out and buy a particular, um, a particular asset. Now, asset can be a large multifamily building. It can be a piece of energy equipment. It can be a whole bunch of different things, but it's just people that have the common goal to put their money together so that that money goes out and then is is managed by someone else who's then operating the day-to-day -day of a particular property. And so when I got when I started finding out about this world, that started making sense to me too because one of the problems that I was having is every every unit that I kept putting in my own personal portfolio, it meant more work for me, more time for me, more time away from my family, more time away from the things that were important to me. And so then I started looking out or looking for specific opportunities that I could invest passively with and through other people. And so that's when I found, that's when I found it and got involved in this in this game called syndication. So how do you get paid on a syndicate? So, uh, well, it depends, right? It depends if you're if you're acting as the as the syndicator, as the sponsor, as a lot of times you may hear the word sponsor or you may hear the word syndicator. Uh, which is the person that's actually bringing that. And there are a number of different ways you can get, you can uh, make money 
by being able to bring it together, you have a, a sponsorship fee. You can have asset management fees, which is if you are on doing the ongoing management of the of a very large apartment complex, right? Um, you can be the asset manager, the person that's managing them. And then you can, there's also ways if you refinance, you can have a, a percentage of that refinance that goes to you as the syndicate. And, and also too, at the moment that you dispose of or that you sell the, the property, there can be also uh, ways for you to, to have um, compensation for any of those ways as, as a syndicator. As a passive investor, right? Which was the thing that I was really, really interested in because I didn't want to be in the stock market anymore. I was tired of that game. Um, because there was no control. I was looking for something that had a lot more control, that's something that was tangible, some, and also people that I actually knew and understood and could talk to. And so as a, as a limited partner or somebody who's just passively investing, you're typically going to know what is the return that they are expected for a particular property. And, and the returns, I don't even dare say the returns because it depends on what the project is, what the, what the type is, but typically you're going you're gonna to know what your projected returns are as a, as a, as a uh, passive investor. Wow. Hopefully that answers the question. Yeah, it, it does. It does. Um, so we talked about, we touched on how you get paid. How do you actually get in it? Like what are the requirements? Well, there's a, there's a couple of different requirements, uh, typically, and without getting too technical, uh, and there are different types of syndication exemptions, right? You, you go through a, a SEC or security and exchange commissions, uh, exemption, which are typically something like a, you may have heard of, you, you, we talk about, or you hear 506B or 506C. And if you are someone who is a, in a 506B, it means that your friends and family, for lack of a, a like just making it, it's, yeah, it's kind of like friends and family investing. Uh, there's some rules around that and to how many people you can have invest, et cetera. Uh, and then you also have 506C. Uh, and then the 506C is for accredited investors. And accredited investors are someone that the SEC, Securities and Exchange Commission, says is someone that has made $200,000 the previous two years and is expected to make that uh, in the current year. If it's a household, it's $300,000 in the previous two years and, and expected to make $300,000 in this current year. Uh, that's the income way. There's also a net worth uh, way, which is someone who has a net worth of a million dollars, excluding their primary residence. So in order to to access the 506C, you would need to be a credited investor. I think there's one other way that the SEC now has through through tests and things like that. But those are the those are the main ways through a 506C. And wow. then the 506B is, fa is family and friends. So how many units do you have that sit in your portfolio alone? And then how many are um, with the syndicate? So like, I guess a better question is, do you still have What's those six units that you had? Um, I, I, I have, as we're speaking today, I do have them. I, I don't know if I will in a couple of weeks, but, um, <laughs> but yes, I do. But so it, it's, it's roughly, uh, in my own portfolio, uh, 60 and then 300 in the, in the other investively in, investing with and through other people. Wow. So the 60 that you have, are they all in Jersey or where? No, um, between uh, New Jersey, uh, Ohio and South Carolina okay. or North Carolina, Charlotte, MSA. Gotcha. Yeah. In the syndicates, uh, what's the largest units you have in the you guys have in the syndicate? Um, the largest single one is t the, the that I'm invested in is 250 doors, 250 doors. Okay. Yeah, and then there's another um, a, a hotel. It's a uh, a Hilton branded hotel. Also, too, it's an 80 room hotel. So, uh, 80 room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gotcha. yeah. Oh, that's awesome, man. Yeah. That's awesome. So, yeah. Billy, oh, go yeah, ahead. Man. No, I was just gonna say, you know, it's one of those things that I just I didn't know a lot about before. 
And it is just a, it's a way to also too when you're passively investing through a syndication, it, it gets you closer to like when I've invested every time in a syndication, I've always asked this, the syndicator, hey, listen, can I get closer to this particular opportunity? I want to be able to learn because by doing that, I mean, my, my goal is and I've gone out now and have syndicated large pieces of energy equipment, which help people um, on specifically active income. If you have active, like a lot of times when you were investing in real estate and uh, you get a lot of passive income losses without getting into too much tax talk. But if you're a high wage earner and you're getting lots of passive losses, but you can't you help to offset your active income, then that can sometimes be a challenge because you have this these big bucket of passive losses that just keep building up, but you can't really take advantage of them. So I've also, every time I look to go out, is to solve, typically is I'm looking to solve my problem. And then if I can solve my problem, then I'll take it to uh, to other people. And so now as I'm syndicating uh, particular opportunities, I'm looking to help other people solve their their problems, which I guess is what I've been doing the last 24 years in the sales, in the sales role. <laughs> That's awesome, man. So Billy, tell us a little bit about um, your podcast that you host um, and how we can uh, listen into it. Yeah, man, I appreciate that, Kevin. Um, yeah, my podcast is the Going Long Podcast with Billy Keels. And the real goal is to help people understand that you can feel comfortable as well as confident investing beyond your backyard. Um, I've been investing exclusively in the United States from Spain. And whether you're on a different continent or just in a different state, I know a lot of times people will say you got to invest in your backyard first. I fundamentally don't believe that because I have not been doing that. It just I think it is very important or I know it is very important if you're going to invest long distance like me, I'm a long distance investor. I'm the long distance investor, right, is making sure that wherever you are investing or placing your capital, that the team that you have on the ground is a world-class team because that is the part of the control that you're giving to somebody else. So it's really important not only to understand if you're going to invest passively with somebody else through a syndication, but make sure that the syndicator as well as the operator, and specifically the operator, really knows the location that you are investing your capital in. Oh, so man, I appreciate you hopping on. Uh, for those who want to get in contact with you or follow, uh, what's the best way to reach out to you? Yeah, Kevin, I appreciate that too, man. Um, a couple of things. I, I would say people, because I like I like talking to people and maybe that's just my sales thing because I, I, I like interacting with people. And so I would say if anybody wants to, to just get on a call, talk about things, uh, you can do that. You can go to bit.ly, B-I-T dot L-Y forward slash speak with Billy. Uh, I love connecting with people on LinkedIn as well. Uh, so connect with me on LinkedIn. And when you do that, make sure you let Kevin and I know or let me know that you saw Kevin and I speaking here. And then that's why uh, that's why you're reaching out, because I'd love to be able to give that feedback back to Kevin as well. Um, and if you're interested in learning just more about long distance investing, um, I did write a book at the time. It was an Amazon bestseller. Uh, you can go pick that up for free. Uh, just leave your name and email address. You can also get to know a little bit more about me and our community. Uh, just go to growyourmoneythesmartway.com. Leave your email address there uh, and we'll get that ebook uh, right out to you. So, And you can also go to billykeels.com and find out more about me and what we're doing. Awesome. Awesome, man. I appreciate your time. Um, any parting words for uh, a beginning uh, investor that's looking to uh, get their first or second pro- first property? Uh, I would say keep keep being right here, listening and learning uh, with Kevin and, and his guest. Uh, I know and I've seen the things that you're doing, Kevin, and it's fantastic. And as you're getting started, also, it's really important. Make sure that you're taking action. I mean, Kevin, you and I met because you took action, right? right. And the two of us got here and got connected uh, and we're able to share this story together. So, I, you know, I, I commend everybody who is already investing time here with Kevin 
and would say continue to do that because Kevin is providing so much value uh, and also be be willing to take action. Don't don't be like me and get in paralysis analysis forever. So uh, that would be the biggest thing is just take action and uh, and keep up following and listen to the words of wisdom that Kevin is providing. Awesome. Awesome. Well, man, I appreciate your time. Thanks for uh, carving out that time for us. And uh, I look forward to uh, building a relationship with you here in the future, brother. Thank you for listening and be sure to follow Kevin on Instagram at The People's Lender. We'll see you here next time on Real Estate Proverbs with Kevin Jefferson.